it makes sense to sort of start out with a smaller um, project that you can sort of snowball into a bigger um, you know, company or institution later down the road. Welcome to the Founders Couch. This is a show about Stanford student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Katherine Jang. I hope all of y'all are doing absolutely wonderful because I've got an incredible show planned for you today. We'll be talking to Arjun Tombe. Arjun and I became pals when we studied abroad in Florence last spring. He's a senior here at Stanford who founded his own debate school his freshman year. It's called the Debate Intensive. And it's a seven-week summer debate camp for middle and high school students, five weeks in Oregon and two in San Jose. Now, I can't wait to dive into this and learn about the fascinating world of debate and how Arjun came to found his school. Let's get Arjun on the couch. Thank you so much, Arjun, for joining me on the couch today. It's a couch? Yes, it is a couch. It's called the Founder's Couch. The Founder's Couch? Okay, there's not a couch in here, but... But it's a, uh, uh, what is it, a figurative a representation metaphor. right now. Nice. Exactly. So how's the couch feeling right now? Uh, it feels very comfortable. That's awesome. Yeah. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I, I just yeah. got back from a debate tournament this weekend okay. at UC Berkeley. Wait, tell me about it. So uh, the debate tournaments are for high schoolers and middle schoolers. So I was mm -hmm. coaching a high school debate team. Um, mm -hmm. They're based in San Ramon, uh, which is close to Oakland. And uh, they're competing. Uh, there's like six preliminary rounds. Uh, and then the top few students will advance to elimination rounds, where if they lose once, they're out. Um, so it starts at 64. And you know they keep debating until there's just one champion. Mm -hmm. um, four of my students advanced to the elimination rounds, but then Two lost in the round of sixty four and two lost in the round of thirty two. So mm -hmm. they got they got they did okay. Yeah. Um, you know, could have done better, but they were right. they were happy about it. That's good. And were these students from this past summer or the year before or just general alum? These these uh, students are they, I've been coaching them for the past four years uh, since I was a freshman. Um, so I work with the debate team over the course of the school year. Got it. Okay. So this isn't necessarily connected to your school per se, but just the general coaching that you do. No. So I uh, my high school was in uh, L.A. County. I was like near Los Angeles, um, but I was friends with a student who was a year younger than me okay. who went to Doherty Valley High School, which is in San Ramon. Okay. Um, so when I graduated, he asked uh, me to coach him for his senior year. And ever since then, I've been working with the school, even though he graduated um, in my freshman year. Mm -hmm. So you seem to be like super passionate about debate. How did you initially get into this? Like many other kids, I got into debate because my mom forced me to do it in middle school. Mm -hmm. um, so in sixth grade, I was like very resistant to the idea of doing debate. I didn't really like it. Um, but after you know being forced to do it for a year, uh, I fell in love with it, and I've stuck with it ever since. Mm -hmm. And tell me about the different types of debate. So... I know you said you did LD, right? Mm -hmm. But what are the... There's like four different types? There's there's a lot of different types of debate. So the type of debate I coach right now is Lincoln-Douglas debate. Uh, it's a one-on-one -on -one format. Um, the debate lasts for 45 minutes, and it typically centers on questions of philosophy or policy. Okay. Um, the other kind of debate, which I did my freshman year in college, um, is policy debate. And the rules, just like how college basketball and you know pro basketball have slightly different rules, but it's you know, fundamentally the same game. Right. Um, there's also high school policy. The speech times are different, but it's the same thing. Um, there's public forum, which is uh, two on two, just like policy debate is. Um, public forum is a little bit more uh, relaxed, informal, and as you might infer from the name, it's intended for 
even a lay audience to be able to walk into the debate and understand what's going on. Um, and in just California and Oregon, there's a style of debate called parliamentary, um, in which it's, it's also two on two, but the topics are not announced beforehand. Uh, you just have to know about current events and just be generally knowledgeable about politics and, you know, um, other topics in like, you know, I think philosophy and ethics and whatnot. Um, and they announce the topic 20 minutes beforehand. Uh, you have 20 minutes to consult, I think, just a dictionary and an atlas to, um, or like an almanac to determine, um, yeah, you have like a set of like basic facts and you have to come up with your positions that might not be entirely correct, but the topic, it's like some amount of time and you have a very limited set of resources before the debate to do research. Got it. And Um, your debate school, do you cover all the, all of those different types of debate? They just have a Lincoln Douglas and public forum team. Um, they sometimes have teams in policy, but um, uh, yeah, the policy program just doesn't really seem to hold together very long. Um, so I, I just coach Lincoln Douglas. Um, there are other coaches who do public forum. Got it. Um, and we also have parliamentary as well. Walk me through one of your previous tournaments that you attended back in high school. That was your favorite. Oh, that's a good question. So, um, so the way tournaments work just for background is, uh, there's a bunch of tournaments throughout the year. Um, for in Lincoln Douglas, the topics change every two months, and uh, so you'll have the course of two months to prepare cases and do research on the topic. Um, so competitors from all over the country will fly out to or drive to one tournament. So for instance, uh, one of the first tournaments of the year is at uh, Loyola, um, which is a high school in Los Angeles, and you know kids from all over the country, mostly from California though, will come to that tournament. Uh, like I said, there'll be six preliminary rounds, um, and if you have a good enough record, typically if you uh, have four wins and two losses or better, then you'll advance to the elimination rounds, and you keep debating until uh, you win the tournament or lose it. Um, I'd say my favorite tournament experience was, um, well, uh, so I, I competed at the Stanford tournament, um, which was last weekend, um, every, it's every year, um, but it's always like, you know, this uh, weekend approximate to like week five or six of winter quarter. Um, so as a student, I competed uh, all four years from, you know, freshman to senior year in high school. And uh, my senior year, my uh, teammate, and who's now, you know, one of my closest friends, he goes to UC Berkeley, actually. Um, we won the tournament together, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a cool feeling because um, the fi- you don't debate the final round. If you and, you're, if you and a teammate uh, both advance to the final round, they declare you co-champions. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so we, we had like a few like very competitive debates um, at the start, and uh, eventually we made it to the finals, and then we're declared co-champions. Wow, and that happened at a couple other tournaments. So uh, there's this tournament called uh, College Prep. It's also, it's like another high school. It's in Oakland. Um, so we like co-championed that as well. And that's that's always like been one of my most favorite tournaments because uh, just the food is really good. The school is just like really nice and like it's a small campus so you don't have to walk a lot but it's like really beautiful um and a lot of like the judging is always good so yeah that was like a really memorable and fun tournament uh since we had competed been competing for so many years and then finally you know our senior year we actually won the tournament mm. so are you and your friend that other friend still debating so no and i i debated my freshman year in college okay. uh just for one year um I quit after that, and uh, my friend never did college debate. Got it, got it. Like, obviously, you know, debate is one of your huge passions, you would say. 
And, you know, I know a big takeaway from it is being able to talk fast. We kind of laughed about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ability to sort of like construct a really strong argument. What are some other big takeaways that you've gotten from debating so many years? That's a good question. So, um, I mean, the, the most fundamental skill is just being able to respond to your opponent's arguments. And that's just something you develop over the course of having lots of debates where you're presented with an argument, you have to identify what premises it relies on and point out why those premises might be incorrect. Um, that's a pretty fundamental skill and not one that really can be taught in, you can't just tell someone, oh, just like figure out why their argument is wrong. That's something that requires just a lot of practice to develop. Uh, some of the other takeaways, though, that I think are um, more interesting uh, is the idea of responding to or, or being very like charitable to your opponent's arguments. Mm. Um, so that's a term used in philosophy that the idea is you don't want to straw man your opponent or straw person your opponent's arguments, which is to respond to a version of your opponent's argument that is worse than the version of argument they intended to present. Mm. So rather than saying your opponent's argument is wrong, you paint their argument as being um, like you're, you're kind of being disingenuous to their argument. You're saying that uh, you present, you, you pretend that they've presented an argument that's um, less defensible than what they actually intended to say, and then you refute that, which is a lot easier. Right. Um, and instead, the idea is uh, to be charitable to your opponent and um, assume that assume that what they meant is you know as good of an argument as possible. Um, present their argument in the best light possible and still show that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that leads to just you know more productive debates. And outside of the context of a formal debate round, when you're just arguing with your friend, you know about politics over dinner, practicing that kind of charitability just makes conversation more interesting, more productive, and for sure, um, you learn more from you know that kind of argument. Mm. So you've been debating how many years? You would say. So I started in freshman year, uh, in sorry, in sixth grade. In sixth grade. Um, so I did actual debate for you know, sixth grade through my freshman year of college, which would be eight years. Wow. Okay. Um, and the last three years I've also been coaching. Mm. Um, so debating for eight and coaching for four. So how did you sort of gravitate towards coaching? So, uh, like I so most people in, who are, you know, pretty competitive in, uh, high school debate go on to become debate coaches because as a college student, it's uh, a pretty easy way to make money when you don't have a lot of other sources of income. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a skill that you've been developing for the past four years and you know you get really good at it and then suddenly you know there's no pro debate league so those skills um they're useful but uh the best place to actually start making money from them directly is to coach debate right so there's a lot of students at stanford uh who did debate in high school and now either still coach debate teams or um used to coach debate teams you know a year or two ago you know when they're especially when they're a freshman mm-hmm. um so the, the student that I was friends with um, when I was a high school senior, uh, when he was a high school junior, he's the one who pulled me into coaching Doherty Valley High School since I was you know friends with him and I wanted to work with him. Right. Um, and I've been working with them ever since. And was this the same friend that you started the school with or was this a different friend? No. So uh, this debate camp, I started with one of my high school teammates. Uh, his name is David Dosh. Um, we didn't go to the same high school, but we had the same coach regardless since his school didn't really have a formal debate team. Um, so yeah, different person. Got it. So walk me through this friend that you had, um, who wasn't in the same school as you, but was like coached by the same person. How did y'all come up with the idea of doing a debate camp in the first place? That's a good question. So, um, I guess after, so during our freshman year, we were just sort of, uh, thinking about, um, you know, we, we'd both been coaching debate for the whole year. 
Um, so the, the regular season was over, which, you know, as of this last weekend, it just ended this year. Um, and there's a, a span of two months between the last, you know, regular season tournament and this national championship called the Tournament of Champions. So for that span of two months, students are, you know, really trying to improve. It's, you know, the grand finale. Kids care a lot about it. I cared a lot about it as a student. Um, and we sort of realized that a lot of students wanted to uh, improve um, and like learn from coaches that may not be their own and practice against other students, mm -hmm. um, even for just a weekend. So we put together a really short two-day uh, little boot camp. Um, we hosted it in my friend's, you know, mom's office. Um, and it was just a group of 12 students. Most of them were attending the Tournament of Champions, uh, which, you know, was like the next uh, month. Um, and we intended it just for this like very small elite group of debaters. They found it really useful. They enjoyed working with us. Um, but then after that ended, we realized that, you know, this was something we're actually really good at. Um, students really enjoyed, you know, learning from us. And we could also just do this during the summer. Um, so the following summer, we put together a three-week-long debate camp. Um, one week was in San Jose, and the other two weeks were in Los Angeles. And, you know, ever since then, it became a summer program. So those first 12 students that you actually recruited, how did you even go about reaching out to those people? So at that point, we were pretty well known in the debate community. Um, we also, we, you know, we had just graduated, so we had a lot of friends who were still in high school um, mm -hmm. who were just, you know, a year or two younger than us. Um, we coached debate, so all of our students, um, you know, knew us, obviously, and our students' friends knew us. So uh, we judged a lot of tournaments throughout the year. Um, so basically, like, debate is just uh, a really tight-knit community. Mm -hmm. um, and if you ask anyone, you know, if you, that year, if you asked anyone, um, you know, who had competed at, you know, more than one tournament, like, oh, have you heard of, you know, this kid named Argentame? They'd probably be able to tell you, like, oh, I've, at least I've heard the name or right. I know who that is. Um, it's a pretty small community as far as, like, you know, it's not as big as, like, high school basketball, for right. instance. Um, and for that reason, everybody kind of knows each other. Mm. So what would you say if you were to look around at Stanford, what percentage of the people in your class would you say you have kind of known of through the debate community? So it's interesting because um, the I think Stanford seems to really like people who have done debate. Um, so I knew a good number of people just going in, like even before college started, I had a bunch of friends from throughout the country, like maybe between one and two dozen. And some of them I wasn't particularly close with, but I, I like knew their name and I'd like say hi to them. Mm -hmm. um, there are a good amount of people also who didn't really do that much debate when they were in high school, but maybe were on their, you know, on the debate team for a month. Uh, did a different kind of debate, but had friends who did Lincoln Douglas, mm. like mm -hmm. yourself. Right. Like I, I didn't know who you were, um, you know, before I met you, but um, you know, you have you had friends at your school exactly. who who I was close with. Right. So um, there's at least like one degree of separation, I think, with you know maybe like twenty five percent of the whole like graduating class, mm -hmm. which is a lot. Yeah. Wait, that's huge. I'm not surprised though, because I feel like it's such an important skill. So like, I'm not surprised at all, honestly. So I know that the classes now are held at, the ones in San Jose are held in San Jose State, right? Mm -hmm. So how did you go about, like, reaching out to that university? How did you pitch your sort of school to them? And how did you get, like, the dorms and the classes sort of set up? So the year prior, uh, which was the summer right after my freshman year, um, the summer of 2016, uh, we had just run a day camp, so it wasn't overnight. Um, we didn't provide, you know, dorms or residences or anything. Mm -hmm. um, we rented out some office space in San Jose. 
Uh, we rented out a community center uh, in Los Angeles. Um, students would come at 9 a.m. and leave at 5 p.m. So um, we used all of the, you know, we, we had a pretty good group of debaters who are very competitive, um, who went out, the, you know, during the season and, uh, you know, won some tournaments and, you know, did very well competitively. Um, and I guess we used the reputation we had from that sort of lower commitment, more low-key um, few weeks of camp uh, to show that we had a track record, um, you know, to, you know, we used, we had a website at that point, mm -hmm. um, you know, we had, you know, images and media of our debate camp and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, we, f we picked San Jose State just because uh, there's a ton of debate in the Bay Area, and San Jose is kind of a hub between, um, you know, the East Bay and the, I guess, South Bay. Right. Um, so it seems like a pretty logical place to host it. SJSU's a really nice university. Um, it's big. They have a lot of dorm space and a lot of classroom space. Um, and they're pretty good with uh, being able to, um, you know, host summer camps. There's a lot of different summer camps that um, are hosted there year after year. And for all the past summers, have you done the teaching or have you recruited teachers to sort of help you out? Both. So the very first summer, we had a really small staff. Uh, it was just myself, uh, my co-founder, David Dosh. Um, one other uh, person named Jackson, who is in my class at Stanford, mm -hmm. um, and who's a very good friend of mine, um, and my other high school teammate, who I said I co-championed those tournaments with. So it was mm -hmm. just us four. Mm -hmm. The following summer, though, the camp grew um, way bigger. We had about 15 uh, staff members. Um, we hired some of them from my old high school, um, but some of them were you know, classroom teachers throughout the year. Some of them were... Also, you know, ex-debaters who are now coaches at other high schools throughout the country. Um, we hired from all over. This summer, we have uh, 18 uh, staff members at um, one of our sessions, um, another nine at our second session, and another eight at the session after that. So, mm. again, hiring from all over. And I do do some of the teaching uh, myself, but I obviously can't teach all of the students. Right. So, uh, we separate the students into groups. Um, based of, on level or age? Based on skill level and, and age to some extent, just because it's a, you know, it factors into experience. Right. Um, into, they're in groups of 12 or 16. Um, each one has a, has, is taught by three or four, uh, we call them labs, and mm -hmm. their instructors are called lab leaders. And, uh, you know, the, the lab leader, there'll be three or four lab leaders. So I was teaching our top lab last year, okay. along with two other people. Mm -hmm. Walk me through, like, what is, like, a typical class day at, the debate intensive. If I was a student, let's just say at the top level, mm. and you were my teacher, what would be the typical thing I'd learn that day? Sure. So uh, you'd wake up at 8 a.m., um, you know, get, get ready and eat breakfast right. um, if you wanted to. And then uh, you'd, you'd go to uh, lab at 9 a.m. Um, you'd learn about uh, whatever we decided to teach that day. So there's a curriculum. It progresses through a variety of different common arguments that come up in debates, as well as techniques for how to explain them and how to, you know, persuade judges, um, for, you know, a few hours, say between like nine and noon, um, you'd go get lunch at the dining hall. Um, you'd come back, um, probably hang out with some of your friends at the camp for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, and then we'd resume activities at one thirty. Mm. At that point, you'd have a practice debate. Mm. So you'd be paired against one other student from your lab. Um, and, you know, at that point you've been, you know, learning alongside them for, you know, a couple weeks. Um, you're probably friends with them and, you know, you both, it, you're, it, the debates are competitive. You definitely want to win, right. but you also want to learn ultimately because right. it counts, it doesn't count for anything. It's just a practice debate. Mm -hmm. That practice debate would be judged by either me or my two other lab leaders. 
um, and then we'd give feedback and do something called rebuttal redos, where um, not every speech is going to be perfect, of course. No right. speech, in fact, is going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll give some feedback on, oh, this part of your speech, where you're responding to, you know, you're responding to one of the arguments they made in favor of uh, their proposal wasn't very strong. So here are some ways you can improve it, and why don't you try giving the speech again? Mm. So they'll redo their speech to try to correct the mistakes that they made in the debate, and we'll go through a couple iterations of that. By then it'll be, you know, the evening, it'll be time for dinner, so they'll go back to the dining hall, or uh, a staff member will say, oh, you know, we're going to, you know, Iguana's uh, Burritos and okay. take a bunch <laughs> of students off campus for dinner, um, and then you'd come back. The activities change, but besides lab and practice debates, there's also uh, mentor time where students are paired with one of one, one instructor of their choosing outside of their lab leaders. Okay. So if there's one person they really wanted to work with, um, mm. but they're not th that person is not their lab leader, they'll get paired with that person as their mentor. Mm. So they'll work one on one with their mentor uh, for you know thirty minutes an hour um, on you know it's it's very personalized and allows the student to get some education outside of the you know core standardized curriculum. Right. Um, so that student might be curious about. Oh, I've I've really you know been interested in, um, you know like that global warming is obviously a topic that comes up in various debates. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm interested in that, and you know I want to learn more about it. So you know this instructor probably having done a lot of research over the course of their debate career um, can you know teach the student about you know whatever topic of interest that student might have, mm -hmm. um, or do practice debates with the student, um, you know redo practice speeches, um, basically whatever the student wants to do. Um, you know, the, the instructor can work with them on that. Mm, awesome. And this sort of <clears throat> curriculum or sort of plan of the day is kind of uniform across all students, right? Yeah, essentially. They generally learn the sort of same format of things. This, the schedule is um, almost the same between okay. the different labs. Um, the lower labs, not having as much experience, will introduce content at a slightly slower pace because the students will be totally unfamiliar with it. Right, right. Um, but, you know, the, the structure of the curriculum is the same. There's lab practice debates, mentor, uh, and there's also elective lectures where um, there'll be a choice of like four different lectures to go to and the student will pick one. Mm. Um, so those are really interesting because um, all the instructors obviously have like intellectual areas of interest of their own mm -hmm. um, and they'll give some lectures on things they're interested in and that are useful and come up in debate. So last mm -hmm. year we had um, a PhD student in international relations um, who specializes in like feminist international relations and the study of gender mm. um, w working at the camp. Um, mm. So she gave a couple lectures on like a basic introduction to international relations as mm. well as uh, a slightly more advanced um, introduction to her research in particular that students found really interesting. Mm. And you recruited this professor just through sort of the debate community or have you ever done any sort of cold emailing to recruit these teachers? So typically they are, so the people we hire are all very familiar with debate. They're debate coaches. Um, it's, it's an activity that requires a lot of expertise. So right. uh, like some, some professor at Stanford, while obviously extremely knowledgeable in their own department, right. uh, might not know about debate. Right. So uh, that, the, the person we hired um, last year, um, the PhD student, she also is a debate coach at a high school in Denver. Mm. Um, so that's how we knew her. Um, and because it's a very tight-knit community, it's really easy to reach these people. They probably know who you are. You've probably seen them or, you know, even just directly face-to-face -face know them because of debate tournaments that you've both attended. Mm. So I know you recently expanded this, or this, this debate school out to Oregon. Um, why did you decide to expand it to that specific area? 
So uh, I think we picked Oregon for a few different reasons. Um, one is that uh, just location, just geographically, most of our students are from the West Coast because we were based in San Jose, um, and both of, both of us, you know, coach schools in that area. So we wanted it to be uh, not too far from where most of our students were. Um, we really liked Oregon's campus among the other campuses we visited. Mm-hmm. Um, the classrooms are just really nice. The campus is very friendly and um, open, and uh, it's just like a really beautiful place. Um, so I just it was, and the the people there just seemed really easy to work with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seemed like the perfect choice. Awesome. Do you see this sort of expanding beyond these two states, like across the United States? Perhaps. Uh, there are a lot of debate camps um, in other locations already. Right. Um, so it'll depend. Um, you know, I, I guess it'll we'll see, you know, how, uh, you know, the like, interest in our programs grows over the next few years. And mm-hmm. um, it's certainly possible. So just last question before moving on to the fire round, I call the fire round. Um <laughs> I know you run this during the summer, right? But obviously you do spend some time during the school year sort of coordinating things. Um, so how much time would you say you spend on the school during the school year? So it definitely fluctuates um, based on what time of year it is. So right after the debate camp, uh, we spend a lot of time looking over feedback from our students on mm. our curriculum and seeing mm-hmm. how we can tweak the curriculum uh, to address their comments and improve it. Um, Right around now, uh, there's a bit of a lull in how much work it is just because um, the actual, you know, the, the competitive season in just debate at the high school I coach mm-hmm. um, is at its most intense um, and has been for the last month. Um, and most of the, you know, most of our, you know, advertising and um, our website, our hiring is well underway. So um, it doesn't require that much attention now. Um, but over the next few months, as the camp gets closer, It'll require a lot of coordination, um, planning for the camp, um, co- you know, coordinating with, uh, you know, the faculty at the University of Oregon and at San Jose State University, um, reaching out to students, making sure everybody has submitted paperwork. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of tiny details that are important um, that are also easy to overlook. Oh, for That sure. take a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So now I'm going to move on to the fire round where I basically fire you a couple quick questions I want you to answer just within 30 seconds, just really quick responses. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, I'll try my best. Okay, awesome. So most memorable experience at Stanford so far? Ooh, I'd say uh, the very first section I went to freshman year in the fall. Um, it was for my Poli Sci 101 class. I had like obviously never been to a section before, and it was just cool to be able to interact with um, the staff, you know, the, fac- the teaching faculty, face-to-face like that. Yeah, for sure. Favorite class at Stanford and why? There was this class I took freshman spring called, the title is like Philosophy 90P, is Logic a Source of Metaphysical Knowledge? Interesting. I So I was telling one of my friends who is a junior um, about it. He was like helping me out, trying to help me, you know, pick classes and whatnot. And I didn't know you could see the number of students enrolled on Explore courses. Mm-hmm. And he saw that and he was like, there's one person enrolled in the class. And that was me. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I was under the impression that so the class funny. would be canceled. Right. But it wasn't. And it was just and you. And so I showed up to the first day of class. It was taught by a grad student, um, but, you know, obviously very knowledgeable. And it turned out to be a fascinating class. Um, it was, we went through a few, I, I think the most, the thesis of the class was like, um, we read a lot of works from early philosophers who were also foundational to the development of computer science as a discipline. So like mm-hmm. Alan Turing, mm-hmm. um, we went over like Gödel's Incompleteness Theorem, if you've heard of that. Yeah. Um, 
all really interesting stuff that connected my interest in philosophy with my interest in computing. Mm, awesome. Closest mentor at Stanford and how you met them? I'd say one of my good fr- the same person who uh, that story was just about, the, um, the junior who um, t- in- informed me that I would be the only person showing up to the class. Uh, his name is Deb Nilsur. Uh, he is currently, uh, he graduated the co-term last year, um, and I met him through debate. He coached me my senior year of high school at the Tournament of Champions. Got it. Um, so. Full circle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Favorite place to do work on campus? It's got to be either Koopa if it's sunny and not raining, mm-hmm. um, or a Coho. Okay. Somehow I like ambient noise. It's, I don't know what it is, it's but it helps soothing. me focus. Yeah. yeah. What's your go-to sort of... Um, Sorry, this is a sign. What's your go-to coho slash koopa dish? I don't really order food. I just okay. order coffee. Got it. I don't okay. really like coho's food that much. Mm, okay. Although koopa's the waffles, delicious. I've not tried that, but would highly thanks for recommend letting me know. it. Uh, favorite activity to do to de- kind of sort of decompress. Um, it's a good question. I mean, I like hanging out with people, but it also can be like tiring. Right. Um, just like. Sitting on my couch and just like listening to music, I'd say. What's your favorite type of music? Uh, I I have a pretty eclectic music taste. Mm-hmm. Um, so like many other people my age, I like you know hip hop and um, you know like kind of EDM. Mm-hmm. Um, but then so the story of how I got into rock music is like interesting. So I there was a song by Young Thug called Wyclef Jean. Interesting. So I, I was like, who is Wyclef Jean? Yeah. So I listened to Wyclef Jean and he has a song called Jimi Hendrix. So okay. I was like, who is Jimi Hendrix? And then I started listening to Jimi Hendrix, who's like, you know, a rock star from yeah, like the 70s. Huge. And now he's like one of my favorite artists. So that's Amazing. another genre I really like. I'm assuming you're, you'll be listening to some Jimi Hendrix whenever you're at Cooper or Coho. Oh, of course, okay. yeah. Uh, most impactful summer internship and why? I haven't had a summer internship because I've been teaching at this debate camp for the past right. three years. Right. Um, so the freshman, the, the summer before freshman year, I worked on, uh, I worked at the office of Congresswoman Janice Hahn, um, who is my, um, the Congresswoman who represented me um, from uh, di- like the 44th uh, district in California. And mm-hmm. she, um, she was like really fun to work with, um, but I didn't really like the job that much. It just okay. felt kind of, ultimately she decided to resign from Congress. And I think the reason for that, she wanted to return to local politics because she felt like she would be making more of a difference there. Mm, and that kind of influenced my thinking and made me a little disillusioned about, you know, the efficacy of national politics and right. how much work you can really get done right. as, you know, a young person at least. Mm-hmm. Have you taken a political science class here or not? The only, well, the only one I've taken in the poli-sci department is poli-sci 101, which is the Introduction to International Relations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took it alongside CS106A, and Interesting combo. <laughs> yeah, and I ended up just, you know, majoring in, like, SimSys, which right. is much closer to CS. Oh, yeah. I've also taken one class in the history department, which was more sort of political philosophy mm. um, and, like, kind of sociology as well. Um, 209C, I think. Um, the course title was, like, Liberalism and Violence. And it was taught by um, Aishwari Kumar, who's, like, a kind of rock star professor. Uh, he's, like, very well-known and, like, very popular among, you know, some students. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool getting to learn from him. Awesome. For students who might want to start something on campus but might not have the resources, what's one piece of advice you'd give them? So um, I'd, I'll say two things. So I think the re- only reason I was able to uh, get this operation to work was kind of um, just, like, jumping into it headfirst freshman year. 
mm-hmm. not realizing how much work it would be. I think I was kind of naive and like vastly underestimated how difficult it would be. Um, so I did it and it turned out to be like really difficult and a lot was on the line, you know, monetarily, but, um, it ended up working out really mm. well. Oh, for um, sure. so I'd, I'd recommend, um, just diving into it head first. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, uh, it makes sense to sort of start out with a smaller, um, project that you can sort of snowball into a bigger, um, you know, company or institution later down the road. Mm. So the, the way this worked for me was it was like a two day debate camp Mm -hmm. at the start. Right. Um, so, you know, there wasn't much of a, like the, the costs were very low. Um, we didn't have that many students and, uh, it was like easier to manage logistically just because it was short, not a lot of students, no residences required. Mm -hmm. So that became a three week long, you know, day camp Mm -hmm. also without residences, but slightly more to manage. And that, um, so as like the level of monetary risk increased, right. the, you know, our experience and like how much we could handle increased too. Right. So it really worked out well because I don't think if I had tried to manage the seven week debate camp in two locations freshman year, I think it would have been an utter failure. Oh yeah. Um, but I think, you know, my skills have grown as the debate camp has grown mm-hmm. and that's a really good way to, you know, make sure that you can actually pull it off. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And last fire on question. Um, where do you see the debate intensive going? Um, that's a good question. So, um, I guess at the very start of my, like what, when I very started, uh, when I started Lincoln Douglas debate in, you know, eighth grade, um, one of my, the first things I remember was the debate camp I went to as a student. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of my best friends I made at that debate camp, I learned a lot and it really got me excited and passionate about debate. And as you know, I was doing the debate intensive at the very start, like that was kind of um, what inspired me, just like the the good memories I had at debate camp when I was a student. Mm. And after the after our first residential program, I saw how close it brought people together. And I was like really proud of that. I saw like kids, you know, some of their best friends uh, were made at camp and mm. they had really eye opening experiences that you know, maybe they'll remember for life, I think. Right. And um, wherever the debate camp goes, um, you know, however the debate intensive changes, I want it to remain true to that vision. Uh, I want it to bring people together through a shared educational experience that uh, students will learn and grow from and remember, hopefully, for the rest of their lives. Mm. That's awesome. Great way to end this also. Um, Thank you so much, Arjun, for joining me on the couch, the figurative couch. Uh, I know it's not easy to take time out of, you know, your busy day, but I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Wow, it was so much fun having Arjun on the couch. I'm excited to see where Arjun goes with the Debate Intensive. If you'd like more info on his school, go to debateintensive.org. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. If you've got any feedback, suggestions, questions, or any existential thoughts, write to me at cj98 at stanford.edu. Lastly, make sure to subscribe wherever you are listening. I'm Katherine Jang, and you've been listening to The Founder's Couch. See y'all next week!